Welcome to the Contemporary Service at Church of the Palms. My name is Lori Haas, and I'm one of the pastors here. We are so glad that you have joined us. Well, we have two new ways for us to connect together. First is our Wednesday Night Life is beginning this Wednesday, September 2nd, and you would join us on Zoom at 6.30 for the God in Hollywood series that Pastor Steve will be leading. We invite you to watch the movie Shadowlands and then to come in at 6.30 ready to have a fun conversation. Second, also on Wednesdays, but in the morning at 9 a.m., Anita Lustria and myself, we are inviting you to join us for the practice of Lectio Divina. We're excited to see how God speaks to us through the scriptures in this small community that we'll meet each week. On the last Wednesday of the month, we plan to introduce a new spiritual practice to try together. So we hope that you will join us. Of course, that also is on Zoom. You would just go to our website, click on the registration page for the class that you're interested in, and you will be sent a Zoom link. As always, we are so grateful for your generosity, for the ways that you give to this church that allow us to do ministry together. It is awesome to partner with you as we love God and love neighbor. Well, if you happen to be worshiping with us on Sunday morning, August 30th, today is the fall kickoff from 11 to 1230. We hope that you will come to, and join us for that fun event. We really hope that you will come based on the letter of your last name in these pre-assigned blocks. Of course, you can come anytime, but if your last letter of your first letter of your last name is A to G, if you could try to come between 11 and 11:30, H to M, 11:30 to noon, and N to Z, for, just for the rest of the time from 12 to 12:30, that will allow us to control the traffic a little bit better, and of course to serve you better. We are really excited to see you, and want to give you a couple of details. Remember, you can bring a jar of peanut butter for our mission partners, Mission Peniel in Immokalee. You can bring a puzzle to swap if you like that kind of thing. And of course, you can bring your faithful, furry, four-legged friend, and there will be a special treat for him or her at the Faithfulness Tent. We are really excited that we will have the music of the Lacey Jane Band, our very own Beth and Dan Hill. One last thing for the fall kickoff, please remember to bring and wear your mask. It could be a very cool Fruit of the Spirit mask like this one that was made by our Loving Stitches. Thank you, Alberta and Pat. These fun bananas are dancing all over it. Even if it's not a Fruit of the Spirit mask, wear a mask. We can't wait to see your smiling eyes. Well, as you know, it is back to school time. This would be our traditional service to do our blessing of the backpacks. And since we are not in person this year, Sarah Soboleski put together a beautiful blessing video for you to share with all of your kids, your students, young and old. It is finally time for school to start up again. How exciting. Guys, you are gonna have so much fun seeing your friends and familiar faces and your teachers. I can't wait to see you, whenever that will be. This is an exciting time, but I know that it might actually be a little strange or maybe a little even scary for some of you. Regardless of how you will go back to learning, 
this fall, whether it's at school or at home, I want to send you a special blessing. It's a back-to-school blessing. God, I pray for you all. I pray for the students. Bless them as they go back to school. Bless the parents and the teachers as they navigate this new year of learning. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. I miss getting to see you all in person and I can't wait until we can meet again. Uh, until then, I just wanted to welcome you to the new school year. Uh, I know this year looks different from the past, so my prayer for all of you is that you can find a sense of normalcy and safety in whatever school looks like for you. Uh, I also pray that you can use this time to not only learn well, but to continue to love your neighbors and your friends just as God loves us. See you guys soon. Hello, boys and girls. I hope you have a blessed school year. I miss you so much. I hope that it's a good year for you and that God is with you. Hey, Church of the Palms families. I hope that this school year will be one of the best ever despite all the circumstances, whether you're sending your kids to school, you're online or you're homeschooling. May you be blessed in your efforts. And I pray that um, you have a wonderful school year. Take care. All our students of different ages and all classes, this is Pastor Mingy wishing you the very best beginning of the school year and all year long. I pray and hope that this year will be a good one, even better than before and you will be the witnesses of God's love and grace in all that you say and all that you do. And I also pray that you will be very, very smart and studying will be good and smooth and easy and you'll make new friends and have a good time with old friends. As this unique 2020 school year begins, may you continue to grow in faith and share your love and talents with others. And always remember, you're never alone. Your church family is here praying for you. And we are with you on this crazy adventure called life. <laughs> with that, peace and love to you all. And go get them, class of 20. Hi, John and Marley are here. Happy day. May you find great joy in meeting old friends and making new ones. I hope you learn some new things and teach others something you know that they do not. This is the essence of sharing, like sharing the good news. Make each day a blessing and have fun doing so. Right, bud? Hi, friends. It's Pastor Lori. This year, whether you are entering preschool or elementary school or middle school or high school or even college, this year is going to feel very strange, maybe even harder than it ever has before. Well, I just want to reassure you that wherever you go, you never go alone. God is always with you. And remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And I think this year, more than any other, is a time to let your light shine and bring God's love and comfort and kindness to all the kids that might need a little extra special care just this year. 
So may the Lord bless you and keep you on the first day of school and every day after. Amen.
We're at that time in our service where we have the opportunity to pray for one another 
As always, you can reach out to me with your prayer concerns or your joys so that we can lift them up as a family of faith. We heard this week from a friend um, who has a friend whose grandson, Tannen Lupe, 16 months old, was just diagnosed with leukemia. And they asked that we might hold them in our prayers, Tannen and his parents and his grandparents. And it reminds us, obviously, to continue to pray for all those we know and love who are battling cancer, children and adults. Someone else reached out to make sure that we lifted up all the people that are affected by Hurricane Laura um, as she wreaks havoc through the Gulf Coast. So with this and the other things that we have on our hearts, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we lift up our prayers for this congregation, our community, and our world. Strengthen the faithful, bring hope to the hopeless, and bring comfort to those with sorrow in their hearts. Today we especially lift up Tannen and his family and all of the people who are suffering from cancer and other threatening illnesses. May they feel your healing presence as they receive your comfort and peace. We pray, O oh God, for all of the people whose homes and lives are threatened by hurricanes and fires. Give them courage and strength to endure. We pray for our divided country, especially in these weeks of national conventions for both the Democratic and Republican parties and in these times of racial distress. We ask that you give our leaders the wisdom and the courage to act on empathy and mercy, just as you did for us. We know that our faith and our allegiance do not belong to any party or politician, but to you and you alone. Particularly in this divided time, make us the church instruments of your peace. May we be a people who abide in you so that we might so love where there is hate and hope where there is despair. We pray for our children, parents, guardians, and teachers and administrators as this new school year begins. There is anxiety about the health of the community and grief about the loss of human connection. Give us comfort and wisdom, O Lord, as we navigate these strange times. Most merciful God, we come before you as imperfect people. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may live by your Spirit and walk in your ways. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, we know the promises of Christ are true. Friends, you are forgiven and set free to love and serve the Lord in all the ways that God calls you to use your creativity and your imagination. Thanks be to God. 
Well, if you'd like to grab your Bibles to follow along, we have two scripture passages today. The first one is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The second scripture passage is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For those, these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us alone be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lori. My name is Steve McConnell, and I'm another one of the pastors here at Church of the Palms. It is my joy to be back uh, after a couple of Sundays 
out of the pulpit and on this very important day, our kickoff Sunday, and it's a day in which we get to begin to think about a brand new theme for our new church year. It seems strange that we're talking about a new church year when we can't be here on the campus, but we will be uh, commencing a new church year in the spirit and seeking to guide you through uh, the course of reflecting upon the, uh, the fruit of the spirit as was just read to us from Galatians chapter five, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it is these fruit of the spirit that will be our focus each month throughout the course of the year. Starting next Sunday, we'll be looking at the fruit of love and spending the month of September reflecting upon that. And then in October, we'll be looking at joy and so on and so forth. So we hope that this will be a great time for you to be focusing on how the Spirit is at work in your life and what fruit the Spirit is bearing uh, in the midst of your life. So to that end, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that as we today reflect upon this great gift of the Holy Spirit and the great fruit that comes forth from our lives if we should be so connected to your vine, we ask, O oh God, that we may find your gentle hand guiding us along the way and that we may feel even your spirit uh, generating in us these fruit of the Spirit such that we may become an even more faithful witness to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. When the Truth is All You Have is the title of a book written by a seminary classmate of mine, Jim McCloskey. And it tells the story of his rather remarkable ministry to which he was called while serving as a student at Princeton Theological Seminary. It has been a ministry seeking exoneration for prisoners serving life sentences or death sentences who have been wrongly convicted. 35 years ago, Jim founded an organization called Centurion Ministries, and an organization, a ministry, actually, whose mission it is to learn about the stories of those who have been perhaps wrongly accused and convicted. And over those 35 years, Jim and his team have produced the release of 63 people unjustly convicted. 63 people sentenced to life in prison or death who have been set free because of the passionate ministry of this man. And it all began when he was a seminary student, assigned to visit the Trenton State Prison in nearby Trenton, New Jersey. And one of the inmates he had been assigned to meet with was a man by the name of Jorge de los Santos. Through their weekly meetings, Jorge began to convince Jim that he was an innocent man, that the prison bars behind which he stood were a false narrative. He had been wrongly accused and convicted. Now, Jim had been told in his training as a chaplain that if it was the job of every prisoner to try to convince every visitor of their innocence and that chaplains were especially forbidden to get involved with any efforts to seek the release of any prisoner. But Jim began to not only hear the story of this man, but he began to believe it. And in turn, he began to, to research and investigate and began to find the threads of evidence that began to form this tapestry of injustice. 
Well, long story short, several years later, through Jim's dogged persistence, Mr. De Los Santos was found innocent of the crime of which he had been convicted and was set free. And it wouldn't have happened had it not been for one person who saw past the prison bars to the person, who saw past the person to hear the story, and who saw past the story to see the soul. It takes a lot of persistence, I suppose, to look past the bars to the person, to look past the person to the story, and to look past the story to see that soul stitched within now, I know that you will agree with me that there are a lot of people behind bars that don't deserve to be there. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, there were always certain kids we put behind bars. Every grade school, middle school, even high school has its collection of kids who, you know, don't quite measure up to the standards of social acceptance. All it takes is for a kid to walk a little awkward or have some physical challenge or carry a few more pounds than everyone else before the rest of your contemporaries will lock you up in a cell of their own prejudice. I remember a girl named Liz who was a, a little big for her age, had funny-looking glasses, and wasn't the smartest kid in the class. And, oh boy, was she the fodder for us boys who found all sorts of creative names to call her. We made fun of her on the playground, snickered when she gave the wrong answers in class. And there she sat behind her desk inside this little prison cell that we had erected for her, none of us the least bit interested in her as a person or in her story or in her soul. And it seemed, more often than not, that Liz was always late to school, always coming in after the bell, which of course was another thing we made fun of, never having it dawn on us that we were the reason she was late being late meant she could come in by herself, free from our daily taunts. But as I said, that wouldn't have dawned on us because we were too busy being insecure about ourselves to, let, to be the least bit curious about the person, the story, the soul named Liz. She died, as it turns out, quite a while ago. I noticed it on one of our high school Facebook pages and by then it was too late for me to apologize on behalf of all those Gordon Elementary School boys who daily broke her heart. It doesn't take much for us to put people behind bars and it takes a lot of persistence to look past the bars, to see the person, to look past the person and to hear the story and to look past the story and to see the soul stitched within. We live in a day and age, I believe, when it seems easier and easier to put people behind bars and harder and harder to get them out. Spend 60 minutes in front of any cable news show and you will have presented to you the caricature of at least a dozen people. He's a liberal, she's a racist, he's a no good protester, she's an ignorant member of that party and the caricatures get wilder and wilder and more creative and before you know it, the picture doesn't even represent the person and if there's a story, if there's a soul, we wouldn't really know even to care about it. And like good old Liz, we just talk behind her back and shake our heads. Which makes me wonder if it isn't the reason why the Bible is always talking about 
fruit. Have you noticed how often the Bible talks about fruit? From the first page of the Bible to the literal last page of the Bible, fruit seems to be the main topic of conversation. Adam and Eve get put into the Garden of Eden to till the garden so that it bears fruit. God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Jesus says that, we will, that it will be by their fruit that we will know them. John says that at the end of it all, right there in the middle of the heavenly city, the big fruit tree will arrive and will grow and it will be for the healing of the nations with every imaginable fruit for every imaginable month. Paul says that there is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control fruit 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 and then Jesus says I am the vine and you are the branches and those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit fruit it appears is the name of the game this whole thing about God you and me it's all about fruit it's all about apparently what fruit we are producing my my father is the vine grower Jesus says he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit Fruit is the name of the game. Jesus is about this mission of drawing out of us the fruit that is within us. Let me say that again. Jesus is about the mission of drawing out of us the fruit that is within us. Now the interesting thing about fruit <clears throat> is that fruit comes in all shapes and sizes and skins. You will not find a more diverse species than the species of fruit. Every kind of fruit tree bears its own fruit, and every fruit looks different than every other kind of fruit. Enough so that if you were a particular kind of fruit, you might wonder what in the world makes that other guy a fruit. When the apple looks over at the banana and sees its funny-looking long and lanky body covered with this inedible skin, it might likely say to itself, man, you can't be a fruit. Fruit are edible, edible and they have skin and they have skin that's edible and cores and stems and they taste like apples. And when the banana looks at the lemon and sees that, well, at least it has the same color but not the same shape. And if it's not, it's not bad enough. The banana cannot get its mind around this sour juice that comes out of a lemon. It's bound to say that there's no fruit inside that lemon. And when that lemon looks at the pineapple and sees that impenetrable outer skin with that green sharp thing sticking out the top, not to mention that ugh, sweet, juicy, stringy stuff inside, how can that ever be called a fruit? And don't get me started with those prickly pears and those kiwano melons. I'm not even going to get close to those bumpy, thorny creatures. But the farmer... And the cook and the chef will tell you that the great thing about fruit is that they're not the same. The great thing about fruit is that they taste different. Where would we be if banana was the only fruit? Where would we be without the leaven? lemon? What in heaven's name would we put in our iced tea? Yeah, I'll, I'll have the unsweetened iced tea. And would you put a banana in that? I'm afraid some of you might try that. No, it isn't easy to get yourself inside a pineapple or a prickly pear. Oh, but once you do, ooh la la. 
So it makes sense that when the apostle starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit, he doesn't name just one thing. He doesn't just say love or doesn't just say gentleness or self-control. No, he says there is so much fruit of the Spirit. There's a cornucopia of fruit. And the Spirit germinates it all within us. And it is this farmer Jesus whose mission it is to draw out of us the fruit that is within us. And it comes in all shapes and sizes and skins, which unfortunately has been our problem. It is the different shapes and sizes and skins that seem to get in our way when Jesus invites us into this mission of drawing out of other people the fruit that is within them. We have this temptation to narrow the classification of fruit. It can't be a fruit if it doesn't look like me or talk like me or act like me or love like me me it can't be a fruit if it has a different color skin or a hard shell or a prickly rind no we say no sense trying to get fruit out of that guy Jesus says my father is the vine dresser and he's gonna work those branches until he gets some fruit so can you imagine yourself a fruit Farmer, can you imagine that what the work of the Holy Spirit is, what the, what the fruit of the Spirit is for, is to help us to see the fruit in every living, living soul? I suppose that's what love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, generosity, gentleness, and self-control are for, correct? The, the whole fruit of the Spirit thing is to draw the fruit of the Spirit out of everybody else. Wasn't that the whole point of Jesus' ministry? To take the rough and tumble and foolish and sometimes dopey disciples and, and tease the fruit out of them. To, to call Zacchaeus the cheat down out of the sycamore tree and to tease the fruit out of them. To brush aside the stone-throwing teachers of the law and tease out of the condemned woman the fruit within her to sit down to the next unclean leper and put his hand on him and tease out the fruit to pause before the bleeding woman and tell her that her faith has made her well and to see almost within the blink of an eye the fruit beginning to germinate inside of her it's by their fruits you will know them Jesus says and yet we still have these qualifications that keep us from sampling all the fruit. We won't inspect because of the size, the shape, the color, the skin. What matter is it to you, Jesus says, if they're brown, black, or white? What matter is it to you that they're big or small? What matter is it to you that they're gay or straight? What matter is it to you that they are of this party or that party or they march with this group or that group? There is fruit under that skin, my friend. It's all about the fruit. So it makes me think of a guy named Bill Bill was a member of a previous church I served, and he was none too happy that I was the pastor. I had dug my hole pretty quick with Bill. I was, A, too young to be a pastor. He didn't like some of my early decisions, and the icing on the cake was that I stood up to his bullying me in a congregational meeting, something that no little wet-behind-the-ears pastor was going to do with this Ivy League lawyer. Bill paid me a few visits in my first year to put me in my place, and the last one came with his announcement that he was never coming back to a church of which I was the pastor. 
an announcement I received with great joy, though I don't think it was the joy in that list of the fruit of the Spirit. Nevertheless, as he walked out the door, faintly I said that he was welcome back any time and that if he ever needed a pastor, he could certainly call me. Honest engine, I said those words, but I really didn't mean them. So I wrote him off as I had wrote, written off Liz back in the sixth grade. Three months later, I'm at home lying on the couch watching TV. It's about 9.30 at night, and a knock comes to the front door. We lived in the church manse, which was across the street from the church, so everybody knew where we lived. I opened the door, and there was Bill, big crocodile tears rolling down his cheeks. I open the door, and Bill says, I'm so sorry to bother you tonight, Reverend, but it's my boy. My boy's in trouble. He's in jail. He did something really wrong. I didn't know where to go. Can I talk to you? I said to myself, well, you really don't know where to go if you come and talking to me. We sat down in the kitchen, and Bill told me the whole story about it's not being his first visit, his son's first visit to jail, or the drug issues that he had been dealing with for several years. And then he went on to say, you know, I can't seem to get through to him, but you know, you're you're pretty close to his age, and I thought maybe you could go down to the jail and talk to him. Probably an act of desperation, but nevertheless, there we two sat, two people who had months before seen nothing good, nothing good in each other. Two men imprisoned by the prejudices of each other. But there we were, me seeing the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, if only the broken-hearted, passionate love of a, sacred of a scared father, and him seeing, well, I'm still not sure what he saw in me, except perhaps a young sapling that might have some fruit to give his boy. But it was the start of something that continued long after. You know, when Jesus begins his ministry in the Gospel of Luke, he says that at his hometown synagogue, he preached. And he said that the Spirit had anointed him to proclaim release to the captives. And never much thought about the fact that when it comes to captives, that maybe the jailer has often been me. Maybe the prison bars were of my making. There's fruit inside them, their branches, the Father says. Inside every living soul, every size, every shape, every skin. It takes one, you know, to know one. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you're the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit.
just one word You calm the storm that surrounds me Just one word The darkness has to retreat Just one touch I feel the presence of heaven Just one touch My eyes are open to see My heart can't help but believe There's nothing that a God can't do It's not a mountain that He can't move oh, Praise the name makes a way there's nothing that a God can't do Just one word You heal what's broken inside me Just one word You revive the dream Just one touch I feel the power of pain Just one touch, my eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that a God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can't move. Praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that a God can't do. There's nothing that a God can't do. Praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that a God can't do oh, I will believe, God believe I will believe the greater things There's no power like the power of Jesus Let faith arise let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe it. The greatest thing, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Faith rise. Let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe. The greatest thing, there's no power like
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.